Hey, well, we are in this series called Stranger Things. And, and in this series, we've been looking at some of these strange things that are in Scripture. And Scripture is full of them. And so I'm doing this for four weeks, but we could do this thing for 40 weeks. I mean, there are so many strange things in Scripture. And so I, what I've been doing is I've, I've been trying to, to find some things and use some things that, that many in the room would go, you know what, I, I'd never heard of that. Or, you know, I forgot that was even in there. And so we looked at this thing called Sun Stand Still, and we looked at this time that literally time paused, that a man named Joshua who prayed and asked God, God, would you just cause the sun to stand still so that we can be about the purpose of what you want us here to do? And, and God honored and answered that prayer. And we looked at that and said, hey, what could we learn about our prayer life? What, what is it that we could be doing, should be doing with our prayer life to have those kinds of prayers that, that we would have that bold, bold, bold prayers, that we would be looking to God to go, God, would you use us to do things beyond what we're capable of doing on our own? But we looked at that. Last week, we looked at how to get your edge back. We looked at this story in scripture where there is a prophet. He's unnamed. We don't even know his name, but he's using a borrowed axe. And with this borrowed axe that he's using, he's wanting to build a larger place so that others can come hang out with a named prophet, a guy named Elisha, the prophet who's done more miracles than anybody with the exception of Jesus. And, and they go, hey, we want to just build a bigger place so people can come and grow and come around to you and hear from you and see what you're doing so that we can learn more about God. And while he's doing this thing for God, his axe breaks off and, and it goes into the water and he, he's going, I, I, I need to get it. Help, 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 help. And we looked at this and said, hey, there, there's some things that we can learn here about how to get your edge back. And, and for many of us, when we look in our rearview mirror of our life, what we see is we were closer to God in our past than what we currently are. That, that, that we've, we've lost our spiritual edge. We've lost this sense of being really close to God and just seeking to live out his will in our life. And so we looked at this and said, what could we learn from this about how to get your spiritual edge back? And today, we're going to look at this whole idea of, of look who's talking. And so some of you guys might be already trying to figure out, oh, what, what could that be? Where, where, where is that? And, and what's that going to be about? And some of you guys might be going, I have no idea what that might be about but uh, it is absolutely going to be an, an interesting look in Scripture to see what has God been doing when we look at this idea of look who's talking. So we're going to be looking at a guy named Balaam. And Balaam, he is a sorcerer. He gets to be called a prophet. He's a diviner. He, he, he calls on witchcraft and things. And, and so he, he is somebody that is known as a prophet for hire. That when somebody's going, hey, we, we want the gods to, to give us favor, we're going to pay Balaam, and then he's going to conjure up whatever he needs to conjure up to try to get whatever gods that he can get to be able to do something. Now, here's something I want you to know. I, I don't believe that there are these false gods that, that are alive and well and doing anything, but it's just what they would believe, okay? And so they would do this, and they would reach out to him. And this is exactly what's going to take place in this story that we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going to be in the book of Numbers, chapter 22. And we're only going to be looking at chapter 22, but the story goes through chapter 24, and we get to see more things. And then actually the story even goes beyond that when we look at Balaam and his life. 
So just like with Sun Stand Still, the very first week of this series, that you've got the Israelite nation. And, and the history is, is that, that they had been captive in Egypt for 400 years. They finally get set free. God miraculously sets them free. And as he sets them free and uses Moses to do this and, and causes some incredible miracles for Pharaoh to finally say, go, 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 just get out of here. They have to wander in the wilderness. And they wander in the wilderness because of their disobedience. They're not willing to follow God. And so that was God's curse on these older people and said, hey, you're not going get to get to go into the promised land. You're just going to wander here in the wilderness and, until you die off. And then we're going to move forward. And so it's, this, it's the same situation right here. It it's, it's actually looks like it's actually a back-to-back situation from what we looked at with Sun Stand Still. Because you have now the, this king, and he's the king of Moab. His name's uh, Balak. And, and, and King Balak, he has heard about what the Israelites did to the Amorites. That sun stands still. He's heard about that. And now the next territory they're moving toward is his territory. And so he's heard about all this that's going on. And he's going, I, I don't know what we're going to do and, and how we're going to manage this. And so he thinks about Balaam. And he goes, we, we need to hire Balaam. We, we need to hire him so that he will curse God's people, the, the Yahweh God, to curse those people so that they won't be able to stand against us and we'll be able to defeat them. And so that's the situation. That is what is taking place. And we're going to start in verse 5. So he sends some of his messengers to Balaam. And this is what we start with. Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt. They covered the face of the earth and are threatening me. That's the message the messengers are carrying to Balaam on Balak's behalf. Again, Balak, King Balak. Balaam is the prophet. And so here's this vast horde coming against us. And he actually says they're coming against me. You know, we, we usually categorize people in one of three ways. We, we'll categorize them as, as they're hostile, right? Here's, here's people that they're coming against me, that they're, they're threatening my way of life. They're, they're hostile. We categorize people as they're indifferent, right? They're not really doing anything for me, but they're not really doing anything against me. And so we categorize them that way. And, and then we call them allies or, or, or friendly, right? And, and so they're allies. They're, they're actually going to be working with us. And so here's Balak. And he's going, hey, they're not allies, they, they want to come in and they're going to be taking some of this land and, and this is our land and we don't want them to take our land. And so they're not indifferent to us. So, so they really are. They are hostile is what he was seeing, the Israelite people. Verse 6, he says, please come and curse these people for me because they are too powerful for me. That these Israelites that have been slaves during this 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, somehow, some way... God is equipping them, and, and they are now a mighty force to be reckoned with. And God is just leading and directing their paths, and the word is out. So Balak's messengers, they, they come and they, they share all of this, and they offer money to Balaam. That, that, hey, King Balak wants to pay you. He'll pay you for your services. If you'll just come and, and, and you'll curse these people so that we can stand a chance against them. And so we look at this and we see that this is what he does. And, and then let's pick this up in verse 10. <clears throat> Balaam said to God, 
Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent me this message. Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt, and they have covered the face of the earth. Come and curse these people for me. Then perhaps I will be able to stand up to them and drive them from the land. So here's Balaam, and he's talking to God. And as he's talking to God, God talks back. This is a conversation that takes place. Verse 12, but God told Balaam, do not go with them. You are not to curse these people, for they have been blessed. Don't, don't curse. I've blessed them, so you, you don't curse them. The, the, the blessing is when there's this addition, there's this adding of value and joy to life. Cursing is where there's a, a subtracting from value and joy in life. And he said, do not curse these people. I have blessed them. And so after he heard this, that, that Balaam knew that, you know what, you guys can just go home. I, I, I can't do anything. God, God has t- said I, I cannot curse them. And so when Balak's messengers got back to him, Balak, the king, he goes, okay, well, I need to send some other people to go. And, and, and now I'm going to send some more important messengers. And, and so you guys go and you guys need to convince him that he needs to talk and curse these people so that we won't be defeated by them. Verse 16, those new messengers, they went to Balaam and delivered this message to him. This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Please don't let anything stop you from coming to help me. I will pay you very well and do whatever you tell me. Just come and curse these people for me. That he's at, he's at the mercy He's at the mercy of Balaam and saying, Balaam, please, please come and curse these people. Verse 18, but Balaam responded to Balak's messengers. Even if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord, my God. Which is really interesting when you know the whole life story of Balaam, at least what's recorded, that he's going, hey, this, this is my God because of some of the other things that he ends up doing. And we're not going to get into those right now, but, but he, just, just, he does not live out his life showing that, hey, this God is, is my God. But in this moment, he's saying, I, it doesn't matter what you pay me. You, you could pay me the most you could ever afford to pay me, and it's just not going to make a difference. So he says that, right? And it looks like he's taking this big stand and he's being spiritual and he's being true to God and, and he's doing it, right? Because they came and they've offered him more. And so right after he says that, look at this, verse 19. But stay here one more night and I will see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. You know what this is? This, this is, uh, I haven't quite made up my mind whether I'm gonna do what God's, told me to do and so you guys said don't don't let the money leave just stay stay right here because I, I'm going to uh I'm going to see if God's going to change his mind which really he's trying to decide what he's going to do is what Balaam is doing right here that, that Balaam he, he wants to do something that the Lord has told him not to do sound familiar I, I know I find myself there. 
that, that, that I know. I, I know clearly, okay? There, there's times that I know, okay, God, this, this, this is what you want me to do, or this is what you don't want me to do. And it's clear. But it's different than what I want to do. And, and, and so what do we do? We, we hesitate. And we go, I'm not sure if I'm really going to do what I know God wants me to do. And here's what Balaam, he's doing this right now. That we go, hey, I, I know what God, this is, how we, this is how we play it out too, many of us. And I think I've been guilty too. I don't think I know. That was me trying to justify it. But I know, I know I've been guilty. Because I'll take this approach. Well, I know that God normally, you know, and that's what we'll do, right? We're like going, but, but I, I might be the exception. I, I know what it says. In I really know what God wants. But you know what? You know, God, God makes exceptions. And so maybe, maybe there's an exception for me on this one. And I, I think Balaam might be in this same place. Verse 20, that night, God came to Balaam and told him, since these men have come for you, get up and go with them. But do only what I tell you to do. <laughs> wow, okay, God, you, you really are. You're, you're, you're letting me go. get up and go with them, but do only what I tell you to do. So the next morning, Balaam got up and he saddled his donkey and he started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going. God was angry at this. And, and, and this is one of those things in Scripture that are kind of like going, but didn't God just say to get up and go with them? And now that he's going, now he's angry with them? It's kind of like, oh, what's going on there? And, and, and the best that I think we can make sense of this is that God knows what Balaam is actually going to do. And so he's angry that he's going because he knows the decision that Balaam is going to make and when we look at this it's it's a matter of, of understanding wills not will with one l that's me but wills with two l's a matter of understanding wills see that there's the there's the human will and the human will it's a it's a little more easy to understand that, that for us as, as people, for us as individuals, that, that we can simply understand this as going, hey, when there's something I want, I'm going to will it to happen, right? I, I'm going to do my part. I'm, I'm going to do all that I can to make that happen. And so we do. We, we will that to happen. But when we look at, at God's will and try to understand his will, that, that God's will seems to be a, a little more complex. And so I want us to look at three different types of wills that are God's wills. And so the first one is God's sovereign will. The God's sovereign will. And when you, when you think of the, the sovereign will of God, this is, the, this is the will of God that says, hey, it, it, it's, it's my way. It, it is what I'm going to do. And when we look at this, the best way for us to understand this is the unshakable plans and purpose of God. The, the, the sovereign will of God is these things are going to happen no matter what. The, the, this trips us up sometimes, especially when we think in light of what has just happened in our country and, and, and this mass shootings that, that have taken place and 29 lives that have been lost already. When we look at this and we go, well, where's God in that? And, and, and many of us, we go, hey, when it comes to God's will, we, we only think about this side of it. That God's sovereign will. 
The, the unshakable plans and the purpose of God. And we're going, well, if there's a God out there and he cares and he loves, and then why would he allow? And we struggle with that. And we're going to get to, to a couple of other wills, and, and some of this might actually make sense when you start looking at some of these other wills of God. But the sovereign will of God, this is it right here. And when we look at this, it's, it's, the, it's the plans that, that can't be changed, they can't be thwarted in, in any way. So Christ, Christ is coming back one day. That's the sovereign will of God. There, there is absolutely nothing that can prevent that from happening. And when God wants that to happen, it will happen because of his sovereign will is going to be exercised on that. That's his sovereign will. That, that one day, Satan is going to be defeated and he will have no influence on, on, on human souls anymore. That's God's sovereign will. And nothing's going to prevent that. Nothing's going to stop that. It is the unshakable plans and purpose of God. See, as a parent, it's kind of hard for us to understand this because, because we'll try to have this, this sovereign will over, over our kids, but it just doesn't work, right? There, there, there are things that we go, hey, because it's my house, it's, it's my rule, you know, we, we, we do this, but we can't make anything happen. We can't. We, we don't have that kind of sovereignty. But God does. And so we're going to look at another one. And that is God's permissible will. That, that this is one that we go, hey, I haven't understood that before. God's permissible will. And, and, and it's just like what it sounds. There, there, where is it that God is giving permission? Okay, and so when we look at this, a way to understand this is the, thing, the things God allows us to do even when it opposes his desires. See, now that starts to shed a little bit more light on what has happened. That, that God permitted, he, he, he allowed for something to take place and lives were lost in brutal ways. But it wasn't what he desired. But he permitted it. That, that there's this thing called free will. And we have a choice. And we get to make our choices of what we're going to do in life. And, and we think of this as the times that it's where God permits what he doesn't prefer. That's a way of understanding this. this, this permit, now I'm going to permit what I don't prefer. Because I'm letting you make up your mind. Because it's not interfering with. My sovereign will of the things that I go, this is absolutely going to take place. And so it's the permissible will of God. As a parent, you can think of it like this. That, that when your kids are being irresponsible, and they've grown some and, and they've learned about responsibility, but they're still underneath your care, they're still growing up in your home, and, and they've been irresponsible, and you're going, I really don't like that you're irresponsible. What I'd really like to do is step in and force you to be responsible. But I need to allow you to learn your lessons. I need to allow you to grow. And I need to allow you to start becoming what you need to become. And so I'm going to permit you to suffer the consequences of not being responsible. I'm not going to step in. I'm not going to intervene. I'm not going to make this happen. And, and you're just going to have to deal with this. 
That that's, that's what we do as, as parents, and, and we can see this. You know, think, think of it, another way to think about it is when there's a driving permit, you know, that, that people are getting permission to start driving behind the wheel. But everybody else isn't ready for them to be on the road and around them. Like, I really don't like that you're permitted to do that, especially some of the ones that you see driving, right? And so what do we do? We go, I don't like that God permitted and that God allowed that. To, and we, we struggle with that. We're going, how is it that God would give permission for that? It's his permissible will. It's not what he desires. It's not what he wants. It's not what he longs for. It's not what he hopes for, but it's what he gives permission for. And then the last one is the dispositional will of God. And on this dispositional will of God, this is areas where, where it breaks God's heart to be God. That, that it breaks his heart to do what, what he knows he must do. And so a way for us to understand this is the forcing of God's hand that breaks his heart. He has to do it because of who he is. There, there are times, and, and when we think about this like a parent, try to relate to this. It, it's when we come along and we discipline our child. And that discipline, you know, it, it doesn't bring us joy. You know, as, as, when I was growing up as a kid and, and, and I was disciplined, I, I just thought my, my parents were being mean and cruel to me, right? And then when I became a parent and I started disciplining my kids, I experienced something that I had no idea my parents went through. And this is what I experienced. When I discipline my own kids, it's hurting me. There's no joy. There's no delight in discipline. There's no delight in restricting them and preventing them from something as a consequence. There's just no. And if you're a kid in here and you're hearing this, you're like going, yeah, right. Because you don't get it. And it's hard to get until you're in that situation. And, and, and sometimes the punishment that you bring upon yourself, you're like going, well, we had plans to go hang out with and we were going to do, but because you're grounded and you're in trouble, I've got to stay back and make sure that, that you don't do anything that you're not supposed to do. And so now I'm missing out. And so you, you do, you, you start feeling punishment on your own and, and, and you're punishing yourself. It's actually why some parents let you out early on good behavior right? It's not because you've been so good. It's because they're going, I'm tired of missing out. And, and, they, and they let you off early. It, it, it's this right here. It's this, it's this disposition of will because, because it's heartbreaking to do what we must do because of that parent role with our kids and, and God's dispositional will. It's where he carries out what gives him no pleasure. And that discipline gives him no pleasure. The, the wiping out, you know, when we look at the story of the Israelites and, and as they move in, and he keeps wiping out nations, people. It's not giving God any pleasure to do that. But it's his dispositional will be, because I'm God and because, because there's eventually there's a sovereign will that's going to take place too. And because I need to be known and I need to be followed, because I've created you, 
we're going to wipe out these people that are never going to trust me, never going to see me as the God of creation. But he takes no pleasure in it. When, when, people, when people die and, and face judgment in eternity, and they never believed in Jesus, and God sends them away from him into a very real place called hell, it's not going to give God any pleasure to do that. Because he created every soul for the purpose of knowing him. But with this dispositional will, it's going to break his heart. But he does it because of who he is. That there's these different wills. And so, so getting back to this whole story with Balaam. And, and, and God is angry because Balaam is going. Because God knows what Balaam is going to do. Back to verse 22. But God was angry that Balaam was going. So he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. So the angel is going to stand in the road and just going to block his way, keeping you from, from moving. As Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. As they're moving along, it wasn't Balaam that saw the angel of the Lord with his drawn sword. It was his donkey that saw the angel of the Lord with this drawn sword. And, and our best understanding of who this angel of the Lord is, it's the pre-incarnate Christ. It, it, it's, it's Christ before he left heaven and came to earth in the form of, of flesh. And he's there and he's standing in the road with his sword drawn in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. That the donkey is trying to save his life. That the donkey had more spiritual discernment than Balaam. And the donkey is trying to help him. Verse 24, then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and crush Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road and he stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. He's stuck. He's going, you're too narrow. I can't get by. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, it laid down under Balaam. And in a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. This might be where, where, where Peter was born. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, but, but just uh, people, you know, against the ethical, people want the ethical treatment of animals, you know. And so he's unethical in ways treating them. Verse 28, then the Lord... Gave the donkey the ability to, what's that word? To speak. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times? It asked Balaam. So for many of you guys, you're, you know, you're here and you'll tune in as long as you can get something out of it. And then you're going to tune out. And some of you guys are thinking, oh. I need to stop beating my animal before they start talking to me. No, 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 no. Stay tuned in because that is not the message today. That God 
is giving this donkey the ability to speak. And when I think about this, it, it might be a kind of a crass way to say it, but God gave the ability for a donkey to speak to a jackass. Just the way that Balaam was treating his donkey, the way that, that Balaam was, was just going, I'm indifferent to God and I'm going to do my own thing. And God gave this donkey the ability to speak. You know, the only other time in Scripture where we see an animal speaking is in the book of Genesis. And it's a serpent. And it's Satan speaking through this serpent. So, so there's only two times recorded. And so the two times that we get to see animals speaking in Scripture... It's always during spiritual warfare. So God's given this donkey the ability to speak. Verse 29. You have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. He starts talking back to the donkey. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. But I... I'm the same donkey that you have ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. That Balaam, he got what any animal, animal lover would appreciate. He got to have an actual conversation with his animal. A, a, a reasoning conversation with his animal. Verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. His eyes were open. He he saw and he sees his drawn sword and he knows that angel means business. That angel's there to, to, to exercise what? God's sovereign will. That hey, these are my people, the Israelites. I am moving him into their promised land. It is my sovereign will. It's not just my permissive will. It's not my dispositional will. It, it is my sovereign will that they get into this land. And so we look at this and we see. And so as we look at this, the angel of the Lord speaks, says, Why did you beat your donkey those three times? The angel of the Lord, he demanded this. Why? Why Why did you do this? Look, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Sovereign will. See, God blocks our steps when our paths interfere with what he has orchestrated. This is that sovereign will. God will block our steps. When our path, where we are moving, where we're moving along, when our path, it interferes with what he has orchestrated. And sometimes we go, well, why didn't he do it? That? Because it wasn't a sovereign will. Why did he do it this time? Because it was a sovereign will. And so we've got to understand the, these different wills of God. Verse 33, three times the donkey saw me and shied away. Otherwise, I would certainly have killed you by now and spared the donkey. Then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I've sinned. And I didn't realize that you were standing in the road to block my way. 
I will return home if you are against my going. But the angel of the Lord told Balaam, go with these men, but only say what I tell you to say. See, isn't that the same thing that God told Balaam originally? You can go, but only say and only do what what I tell you to say, what I tell you to do. And then God orchestrates all of this with the donkey and the angel of the Lord. So that now when he comes in and he says, now only do and only say what I tell you to say, Balaam at this point is going, "Uh, yes, sir, God. I'm only going to do and I'm only going to say what you tell me to say. And so what happens from here is that Balaam, he does not curse God's people. And instead, as he gets to Balak, he actually blesses God's people in front of Balak. And, 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 and Balak loses it. He, he just can't believe that Balaam would come in and he would do this. What happens next is somehow, some way, the people, they invite the Moabite gods into their camp and, and they just want to start worshiping them too. This is God's people. That, that they end up having these prostitutes that come in too. And, and when we read between the lines, it, it appears as if Balaam orchestrated this to get them off track. Remember, Balaam's the prophet for hire. And, and, and he wanted to make his money that he could make. And so, no, he, didn't, he, never, he never said anything that God told him not to say. But he ended up going and doing something that God did not want him to do. Balaam, you might not realize this, but, but he gets more books in the Bible than Jesus' mother. There are eight different books in our Bible we can read about Balaam. Five in the Old Testament, three in the New. And, and every reference in the New Testament is a pretty negative reference to Balaam. And who he was and how selfish he was and how he would just do things just for himself. That eventually, if we were to keep reading in the book of Numbers, we would actually see where, where the Israelites finally did him in. And they were done with him. You know, when I think about Balaam, I, I, I find ourselves in this in, in, in a certain way. Because he gets to see the angel of the Lord. Right? He actually gets to hear from the angel of the Lord. That, that after he doesn't follow and heed what, what his donkey's trying to get across to him, now the angel of the Lord shows himself, the angel of the Lord speaks. And I think for many of us, haven't, haven't we all at some point thought, if I, if I could just see God, right? We start telling ourselves this, right? And we go, well, if I could just see him, you know, because it's those times we kind of doubt, we're kind of wondering, I don't know, you know. And we, we tell ourselves, but if I could just see we, we, we tell ourselves, if, if, if I could just hear, if I could just hear from God. But I mean, not like I'm reading it and there's just this thing in my spirit and it's kind of like, okay, yeah, I feel like God's kind of speaking to me. But, but this sense of, no, no, if, if I could just hear, you know, I'm just, I'm in a room and nobody's there and there's just this audible and it's just God. We tell ourselves, if, if I could just hear from God, if I could just carry on this conversation, just talk with God back and forth, we, we get to this point that we say, if I could just, and we name these things, and we go, then I would, 
and we fill in the blank. All right? Then I would do what, what, I, what I feel like God might want me to be doing, but I, I'm not going to do it until then. Then, then I would, and we, we just fill in the blank. And, and Balaam had this, you know, and we go, hey, th- then I would believe, right? We go, th- then I would believe. Maybe if you already believe, you go, well, then I would believe more. Maybe it's not about belief. Maybe it's about your behavior, right? And you go, hey, if I, if I could just see God, if I could just hear from God, if I could just talk with God, then, then I'd behave. And some of us go, well, then I, I would, uh, I would behave, behave more. Because we, we fill in the blank because we think that there's something special about this. Well, I want us to see three lessons that we can learn from Balaam's life. Three lessons. Lesson number one. You can hear from God and still hesitate to honor him. <coughs> that's, that's what Balaam did, right? He had heard from God, don't go with these men. And he told them, I can't go with you. And King Balak sent another group of messengers, offered him even more. I told you, I, even if you guys gave me his palace, gold and silver, I, I, I couldn't go. But why don't you guys stay overnight and uh, we'll see what happens in the morning. So we, we can learn this. We can hear from God and still hesitate to honor him. A second lesson is you can see God and still not submit to God. There's this angel of the Lord, Christ, pre-incarnate. He, he sees God. And he doesn't submit his life to go, okay, I... I'm just going to honor you, and I'm going to live for it, and I'm going to do everything that you want me to do from here on out. Third lesson. You can talk with God and not be transformed by God. God wants to transform our lives. You can talk with God and not be transformed by God. See, Balaam had an agenda. What was his agenda? To... To do what's in my best interest. To do what I desire. That was his agenda. And sometimes we can look at our own lives and go, that's my agenda too. That's my agenda too. And it's why we need to look and and, and learn these lessons that that, that we we can see God, we can hear God, we can talk to God. But it doesn't mean that just because we have those that we're going to heed what God says. So in wrapping up, I think that there is a gap between when we hear from God and when we heed God. Between what we hear from God and what all we do to heed what God has said that there is there's a gap and so what do you need to do to close that gap where is it that that you already know that this is what God desires and that you would be willing to go because I know this is what God desires that's what I'm going to do don't let God's permissible will be your excuse to live your life differently than what he really desires. Because just because he permits it 
doesn't mean that he prefers it. Pray with me. God, I pray that there would be an honest desire in the room, an honest desire to the, to the listener, to the watcher online, to want to hear from you. And that that desire would be so pure that we would desire to heed what we hear. So God, speak to us. Speak to us through Scripture. Speak to us through prayer. Speak to us through circumstances. Speak to us through people. God, if you have to, speak to us through an animal. But God, when we hear, give us the greater desire to heed. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.